and welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name is Zach, and this week I have my co-hosts Mark and Steve. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Can't complain, really. Excellent. Steve? Fair to Midland. Yeah. That's about right. <laughs> uh, but this week we've got another another uh, talk show. Got a couple topics for you all here. But, uh, but like we always do, we want to start off with our segment. Wish of the week. In Wish of the Week, we talk about anything we're excited for, from movies to RPGs to video games. This week, let's start with Steve. Steve, do you have anything exciting on the horizon? Um, well, let's see. Uh, right now, I'm, I think you are, too, playing a lot of Soul Calibur Six, and I oh, just yes. heard that the... Uh, um, the, the protagonist from Near Automata is going to be a DLC character for Soul Calibur VI. So that has me quite excited. And since she is from an RPG, I'm going to say that counts. So there we go. I think her name is, it's like Fair. 2B or uh, I forget the name of that character. But but yeah, it's the or Android. Or not 2B. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that was the why they named her that. Yeah. and right. But yeah, yeah. And, and she's going to be a, a yeah, playable character. So the, the crazy Android violent nurse from, uh, or maid from that one is is uh is gonna be in soul caliber yay definitely yeah i'm looking forward to that and i i did get the season pass so i will be getting that playable character here whenever uh whenever that launches very nice mark do you have anything exciting i do uh as a kickstarter still going on for a little while uh called mission accomplished uh and what this is uh near as i can tell um We've talked about the game Paranoia, and one of the best parts of Paranoia is the debriefing at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a game that jumps right to that debriefing, basically. Uh, it's kind of a spy genre, but uh, the, the general premise is um, you've finished your mission, and you are trying to uh, justify your actions, pretty much. Um, and it, it looks really great. Um, uh, the it was written by a guy named Jeff Stormer, whose name sounded familiar to me, and I remembered he does a podcast. Uh, it's called Party of One. Um, oh, that guy. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it's uh his uh his debut in in role playing writing, but uh, it, it looks really fun. It looks really neat, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the Party One podcast is really cool. You know, he sits down with a person and they play a game. Yeah, so, just I mean, a one-on-one thing. Just a one-on-one. Yep, exactly. So. Yeah, it's it's he's he seems like a cool guy. Um, yes, I've spoke with him briefly in the past. So yeah, the Kickstarter looks like he's really trying to zero in on that Archer feel. I think he's got like everything but the license <laughs> on that one. So yes, can't yes. go wrong there. Yeah, definitely uh, going for that Archer vibe. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, anything for you, Mark? Anything else? Uh, that's pretty much it, I think. On to me. Uh, this week is um, a used bookstore week for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I recently picked up something that apparently nobody has heard about. <laughs> uh, and it's called Metaspace. Uh, Metaspace, Guild Space. I don't know what the official because they're both there on the on the corner of the book, so I don't <laughs> know. Uh, but it seems like a futuristic, you know, old school style RPG. I haven't I haven't really gotten into it much, but um, yeah. I mean, it's just base rules. I don't I don't see any tables, so huh. I mean, so it's it's nothing like super heavy. It it seems. Uh, and it's only about what sixty pages. Nice. So, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty nice, pretty nice. Um, yeah, get into that old school gaming um, here <laughs> here for a little bit. And I picked up something because last week I saw Venom. Have you guys seen Venom yet? I no. have not seen Venom yet. No, so worth me it? too. It's really good. Okay, okay. I've oh, heard it's, good things. It's very worth it. I've heard good things. So I found this at uh at my local used bookstore here oh and trippy it's, uh hmm. yeah it's the amazing spider-man number 347 uh where apparently venom kills spider-man based on the cover so it won't take <laughs> yeah it won't take it won't take for yeah. for very long at least <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert he's not dead <laughs> right oh definitely but yeah yeah i i picked up a couple things i'm sure i'll go this next week and and pick up some more stuff too so <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I'm. Um, you, you can't go wrong with used good stores. Used bookstores are amazing. So, yeah. exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's it, and and I think that'll be it for this segment of Wish of the Week. Jumping from one thing to the next, we're on to our segment, Game at a Glance. In Game at a Glance, we talk about a specific rule set or uh, a game. In this case, we're going to backtrack just a little bit, and we're going to talk about Top Secret. This is kind of a uh, after-you've-played segment. (laughs) After-action report, yeah. Spoiler-free. 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 Yeah, Yeah, no. No, we played played a a small module that uh, Mark here has created. Yes. and uh, and Steve ran it mm-hmm. to yep. uh, to kind of give a, another uh, another kind of uh, take on on said module, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit less about the module itself and and more about the uh, the things we experienced while we played. You know, the mechanics, the the system overall. Um, but the the floor is open. Well, obviously, I've been dealing with the system quite a bit, so I'm more <laughs> intro- interested in. in- how you guys reacted to it and what your thoughts were. Uh, well, the system itself, I'm pretty happy with. It's uh, it's pretty straightforward and simple. Like, basically, you've got sort of uh, everything you're doing is more or less three dice. Um, so you've got your attribute die and your your skill die and then a, a, either a decision or an equipment die uh, for the, the third die. Um, so it, it keeps things moving quickly, and it's good for sort of the action-y rolls. Um, 
overall, it, it's nice in that it doesn't hamper flow. I mean, it, it's good for action kind of heavy spy games, so less Cold Shadows, more Mission Impossible type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on the downside, they don't really granulate a whole lot of the, the kind of action-y type things you can do. Like, a lot of things fall under the range of combat, including like kind of vaulting and jumping and running and acrobatics. So mm-hmm. as a consequence, if you've got a sequence with a lot of combat and different types of things, you're going to be rolling the same dice kind of over and over. But it does do a great job of not slowing down the narrative with these kind of uh, by, by the, the dice itself. You know, it's it's just like you make a roll, success or failure, moving on. So it's great. Yeah, the thing the thing I came across personally was uh, it, it got a little confusing when you got to contested combat roles, um, and then having to deal with uh, defense roles and then damage and all that mm. stuff. That's fair, and um, that actually might be more on on me uh, because this is the first time I've actually run a top secret before. I was a little bit more unfamiliar with the rules uh, when uh, Mark was running it, uh, and I played it. That was a little bit more streamlined. He seemed to have a better grip on it. Okay, yeah, just there's just the overall concept of having to manage those. Yeah, uh, seems a little complex. Little, yeah, a little too complex for my blood. Well, and and <laughs> kind of along the lines of of Seventh uh, C, you know how you have villains. They're sort of like generic like thugs and there's mm-hmm. villains and they have sort of different rules that apply to villains that kind of applies here too. Like if they're not skilled in trade craft or have these like kind of spy skills, then uh, they have to kind of conform to a whole different like set of rules for combat. Well, it's right. interesting that they, um, you know, that's something that's not very much in the rules. There's just like mm-hmm. a, a sentence somewhere that says if, uh, you know, for civilians don't have trade craft, which means that they're rolling two dice instead of three dice, mm-hmm. which means they're basically the equivalent of like thugs or very yeah. simplistic enemies, uh, as opposed to anybody who is more into the, the trade craft. Mm-hmm. Which makes mm. sense. Although like the majority of the people that you're going to be kind of coming up against are, are, um, uh, are, are kind of civilians. And in fact, in our game, everybody was, I don't think there was any opposing spies per se. So, well, uh, kind of use the broad term of spies um, yeah pretty yeah. much everybody had trade craft um you know until you got to some of the civilian contractors or stuff but it's a great way of 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 varying um difficulty mm-hmm. um, yes you know so you can have uh you know your your shoot them up with you know running through shooting a bunch of of uh of generic guards until you get to the main villain mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very um, bondish. Obviously. Oh, oh yeah. hundred percent. 100%. Um, I have to say this system, the yeah. dice are just ruthless. <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. That, Zach well, got had, raked over the coals. I the had dice. absolutely no luck with the dice. Yeah. Like none. And this is, that and that's something that's very old school um, <laughs> role playing. You know, it's like either the dice are with you or against you. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that is true. It's, um, yeah, I, I blame the, uh, the dice roller, of course, but uh, yeah. <laughs> right. it was well, fine for right. me. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it was and fine it's, for it's you. Kind of yeah, true. because you, you've, you've hacked it. Honestly, <laughs> you've hacked it. <laughs> well, 
this actually might be a point for somebody who's looking to kind of take the game up is it, it really, if you don't set yourself up to be some kind of a, like, like put decent numbers into your combat skills, you're going to have a really hard time. Um, especially if the game is more action oriented, like, you know, there's some games where it's like, okay, you can branch off and, and solve things a variety of ways. But when it comes to the action sequences, it's about combat. Like that, that combat stat that you have, like mm-hmm. is a really big umbrella. And you're not, if you're not rolling a big number on that, then you're probably going to be not having so much fun. So, but to, be, but to be fair, that depends on your story. We, we, we did a very actiony story. Yes. Um, yes. It, you know, if you did run this much more um, thriller-esque and much more investigative uh, espionage, of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, much, yeah, a lot more of those routes. Um, you know, it, it could be a very different dynamic for you, um, mm-hmm. depending on on uh, what you tended to do the most. Well, that's fair. Yeah. 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 And. Um... In in our experience here, it seemed like only only because of lack of numbers and players, uh, mm-hmm. it seemed like things took longer because they did. You know, two people doing stuff is going to take longer than four or five people doing stuff, of course. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it 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 seems that you know, especially with my poor dice rolls, who is <laughs> <laughs> pretty much one person doing something, <laughs> but um. It seemed it seemed to be a um, a longer one shot, but I mean, well, it that's, was that's no fault know, I, of the, tried of the to writing make, at all. You know, I'm writing a module. You try to go to a little bit, little bit epic anyway. Oh, so yeah. it, it was a yeah, little it was, more than a one shot, more than I would a, have done for a one shot. Yeah, right. right it had a yeah, three act structure. I don't think it necessarily would be a one shot per se, like in one evening, because there were definitely oh, no. three acts to it. It probably could have even been stretched out to three. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fine. I mean, like, I think each of those kind of um, uh, sequences was was robust enough to to mm-hmm. make that work. Yeah, but I but I do believe we did play for like four hours last week, so that that would have definitely been you know split up into three. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what four hours last week and a couple hours this week. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was you know. Yeah, it's like, a good good chunk of time. It is yeah. definitely it can it can be stretched into three you know three good chunky segments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sessions, but, shall I say? And like I say, depending on on how you approach it, you could put a lot more into stuff of, in addition to the combat. Spend a lot more time mm-hmm. doing like the investigative stuff and interactive yeah. stuff. Well, absolutely. And to speak to sort of the game overall, like top secret overall, I do think that it actually does pretty well for smaller groups, like with just two players and a GM, because mm-hmm. it spies. Like, you know, usually mm-hmm. you don't have James Bond, like eight James Bonds walk into a train together <laughs> and they're yeah. all doing James Bond stuff. Like even in the Mission Impossible stuff, you have like one guy, one principal, and then a lot of backup. So it is it yeah. is better design. It does work out nicely with with a smaller group. You don't need eight people. Um, to like pile into a room and, and be secret agents. So I agree. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. and there's, there's actually a thing in the back of the book. There's a little, they devote a page to what if you're only playing with one, one character, you know, one-on-one mm-hmm. basically. Okay. Yeah. This would mm-hmm. work really well with. It would, it really yeah. would. Yeah. I think, well, we pretty much did. <laughs> <laughs> with your roles. Yeah. With my roles. Heck was having some really rough roles. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. There was but, a series of mishaps. Yeah. But that was, you know, actually Steve and I were together the other night and we were kind of discussing this. And I think the biggest challenge I've found with this is first of all, 
I think I've said before, I think there's a really good game here, but it's buried under very difficult to uh, follow rules. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the biggest uh, challenges, and having, having played it now, I think I found a solution, but I think the biggest problem is that third die. Yeah. The first, the first yeah. die is your attribute die, which I, I really love. It's a combination of the, uh, the wild die in the West End's D6. Mm-hmm. Uh, system and the uh um advantage and disadvantage in fifth edition D D. Yeah, right. absolutely. The, you know, that's basically what that die is. And and I think it works great. It does. The second die is your trade craft or skill die, which again, it again it's exactly like the the Star Trek or the uh, Star Wars D sixes. Mm-hmm. Either you mm-hmm. have your your trade craft or your 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 skill supersedes it if you have it. Right. And you can do any of those. The third die, I feel like they had these different ideas and could never come to a, a decision, so they just kind of left it in mm-hmm. this kind of vague. Um, it's like they want it; they want it all to be attribute or or uh, asset oriented. Yeah. But they realized that you don't always have an asset, so then they kind of also made this. Well, it can be a decision die, which is great because that helps you control um, difficulty. Set of difficulty, which you can't do if the whole like like static target of thirteen, which is right, gets kind of annoying. And you yeah. know, even with the asset, they kind of say they're, they're, they say that uh, the asset you're allowed is based on your um, uh, clearance. clearance level. Yeah, which a starting character is D four. Well, in the difficult in the decision die, D four means it's incredibly hard. Yeah, so you're saying that everything for a beginning level agent is nearly impossible to do incredibly hard yeah right. that's you know um but then if you just go uh with the um difficult the decision die mm-hmm. then your your asset uh you know it, it, it's why do you even have the asset partial portion there exactly. the other thing is what happens if um, you know, your asset is really poor, but you're doing something really easy. Yeah. What, you know, where, where's... What's the solution there? Yeah. Where's, where's yeah, the room you know. to manually adjust it as a game master? You don't have right. that kind of freedom to... Oh, you can step up or step down, which gives you an extra, like, whatever. Like, a, like you, it goes from, like, a D4 to a D6 to a D8, which basically mm-hmm. effectively gives you a plus one on the roll. But it's, I mean, average-wise. But, but that's a lot of... That's a lot of complication when really if yes. you the decision die to begin with and said, Yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to do. You get a D you get a D eight for it or a so, D ten. Yeah, no, definitely. If yeah. we were fixing it, I think. Like if I was like, okay, how do we make this better? I'd say just keep those first two dice, lose the third one entirely, and just unhook the difficulty and make that variable uh, according to the GM for every roll. So instead of doing a target 13, just like, okay, you got your two dice, make a target 6 or a target 15 or a target whatever, you know, the GM says is appropriate. Right. Yeah, True. but that that is it is a lot of work on the GM's part to do to do that for everything. You know, but I think you have that's to why do that with the decision with the die 13. anyway. The decision yeah. die is basically creating a difficulty. You're already, yeah, um, you're deciding sort of the difficulty based on the decision die. So yeah, yeah, so exactly. It, it's required. The other, the, yeah. the other thing, and the, the thing that I kind of came out, out of as a player, and, and we discussed this, is there's two basically two different red types of roles. There's your standard role, which, as we said, it, their standard thing is the roll against 13 is the base difficulty. 
Mm-hmm. And in those situations, if you're if you're rolling under a static difficulty number, then use the uh, decision die to control difficulty. If you're going against somebody, if it's a, a contested roll, then use the assets because the speed of your gun, or if it's a chase, the speed of your car, that's mm-hmm. when that's when your your a- assets are going to give you a bonus. So, right, right. I, I never really wrap my head around that. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what got me right there. Like I could have, that would have made things a little bit easier if I would have. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, like I say, I didn't really even get that until I, I kind of played. I was on the player side of it and realized uh, yeah. that that was that seemed to do the trick. Right. So, yeah. No. Yeah. Um. So that's you know at, at least for me moving forward, if I you know if I play this or or run this again. That's going to be, you know, what I kind of use as a dividing line um, for right. that third die. Yep. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. But yeah, um, any other points? Any other points we, we needed to get to? Uh, no, it's a great system. Well, it, it's good espionage. I like it a lot. I would yeah, play again. I, I guess that's the bottom line is would you play it again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 100%. But yeah, it is, it is a good system. And like... Like Mark said earlier, it is, it's kind of hidden behind, you know, a bad framework. Yeah. Just, Confusing just because framework, at least. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's slightly backwards, shall I say. Old school. Let's go with old school. Let's yeah. just say old school. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, the, the structure of the, of the core book is strange. Yeah. Yeah, the layout's a little bit awkward at times. It is it is not always easy to find the tables you're looking for. And there are a lot of tables and charts. So it's (laughs) again old school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's just how they do it. But yeah, uh, if we don't have anything else, I think that'll be it for this segment of Game at a Glance. Now on to some main topics here. I guess I think that's that's the natural progression of things nowadays, but uh, but yeah, we'll get into some main topics here. Uh, this first one is fueled by my recent playing of the game Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Um, I think I talked about this just a little bit in the past on the podcast um, when I had first heard about it, but overall, it's a game. It's set in the Viking Age, and you play this Celtic warrior who's going to uh, search for the soul of her past lover. Her, uh, he, he is uh, no longer with us. Um, and she has a real bad case of psychosis, and she hears voices. And it's, it's a, a binaural game, so it, it's, like, it's surround sound, and it's recommended that you use headphones. But it's, it's, it's daunting. I'll tell you, like within the first 20 minutes, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but regardless of all that, um, spoilers for anyone who doesn't want to hear them. So skip a little bit if you, if you don't want to hear this, but, um, but here we go. It in the, in the beginning of the game, it tells you that if you die an excessive amount of times um 
it doesn't tell you how many, but it's like just don't die. Um, it says great words to live by. You will <laughs> right, it's like, don't die, <laughs> don't die. There we go. <laughs> but um, it tells you that you will lose all of your progress if you die so much, and and you go back to the beginning and you have to start again. Okay. Now I did my research after I played the game. Which I, I died three times ish. Okay. In the what the nineteen hours of the game or something like that. But um, I I didn't die and so I didn't you know I didn't have to go back to the beginning. And I was curious on the amount of times you can die. And across the board, everybody was saying that is not true. That it is a false sense of despair, essentially. Hmm. To where um, it's like it, it, they did it to get you into the story more and, and have you focus on, on the gameplay and stuff like that a little more than, than just going in and rushing in and, and dying every time. So that, that brings up the, uh, the idea of, of that false sense of hope or false sense of despair in role playing games, in the role playing setting. Um, or, permadeath so kind of kind of two sides of the same coin um what do you guys think do you think do you think it's achievable like giving giving your players uh, a sense a false sense of hope or false sense of despair and well, is, it, I, is it okay to do well i think with the uh, role-playing games you have a little bit more flexibility in that uh death can be permanent or not yeah. um you know, with a video game, you have to go back to the same character because that's the only thing they've designed. You know, it's not like a real, you're not really creating an, a different character. Um, but with a, a real role-playing game, you just, if you die, you do another character. Now, on the other hand, you got the D&D method of uh, just take him to a priest and resurrect him, right. where you have a little bit less of that uh, permanent death flavor. Uh, so part of it, Depends on how you approach death. Well, that's true. That is true. And I, Steve, I, I think D and D is actually a pretty good example of a game that says, "Okay, when you die, you're dead. You get to roll up another character." But we've all played plenty of D and D where that doesn't happen. And yeah. you know, like even the oh, you can go to a priest and get rezzed. Well, if the GM doesn't want to futz around with introducing a new character he's going to figure out some way to get the player back on his feet. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like, oh, guess what? You found a potion that can raise dead. Or, you know, turns out he mm -hmm. wasn't completely dead. Or, hey, we're using an alternate system where you have to be negative 10 before you're actually a corpse. Um, yeah. You know, like, there's plenty of time. Like, I think the, the premise is generally like, don't, don't go to zero hit points or you're going to die. But in practice, depending on what kind of GM you have, and, and maybe some GMs are like, nope, dead, you're done. But every game I've ever played is always like, Ugh, I don't want to make a new character. Okay, fine, you're back up. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 good to have a a reason to not die. You know, and that oh well, if you die, you know, like the have the belief there that if you die, that's it. Otherwise, there's no stakes. But yeah, at the same time, generally it is it is a game, and more than likely you're not playing with a a, a permadeath system. Now, uh, with the uh, sinuous sacrifice, I'm the the part that's interesting to me is the fact that they actually just straight up lied about it. Like, like 
that's that's kind of I, I don't know I, I don't, a gutsy move. It's something I've never seen before. I played plenty of games with permadeath, so it's not like permadeath is a new thing. But <laughs> I've never seen one where they say they've got permadeath and they really don't. So <coughs> that's kind of bizarre and interesting. And I guess it's a way to get people to you know not die. But if you made it all the way through the game with only dying three times, then you know there's there's plenty of games that have like a, a, a restricted number of times where you can die before it kills your save. And I've a lot of times I've found permadeath to be a really effective, you know, tool for for games in general, like to 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 raise up the stakes. Um, the one of my favorite mech games of all time was Steel Battalion on the original Xbox, and mm-hmm. it had permadeath in a big way. Um, and basically, you had this enormous cockpit control with a hundred buttons in front of you. One of them under glass was a big flashing eject button. And if you were getting blown up and you did not hit that eject button, the game deleted your save. Okay, so <laughs> like, yeah, you punched yep. out. And a lot of times, if you were like, "Oh my god, I've almost got this guy. I can take it for one more shot, but I don't want to lose my save," you really had to make a split second moral quandary there. It's like I put you know twelve hours into this thing already. Do I think I want to take that missile, or do I want to hit the button and punch out? So <laughs> it was yep. it was high stakes, and you know I think that's a good thing. And uh, reproducing that in a tabletop RPG that would be something. Like you know, it's it's maybe that's uh, an argument for permadeath in in tabletop. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but taking the the whole false sense of hope aspect of things, like telling your players one thing and it not being true or you know something like that how how are the how how's how's everybody's moral compass on this well to to some degree that's the definition of role playing um you know we're talking about uh, dying when you know the actual player is not dying uh you're just talking about a a character that uh you know you may just have to re-roll and you could pretty much kind of clone or resurrect or whatever. But mm-hmm. the the goal of role-playing is to immerse yourself in it and feel that sense of urgency, that sense of, of consequence. And no matter what the actual um, mechanics are for, for death, you want to try and impose that feeling. Um, game masters cheat all the time. So uh, I would say, yeah, if it's it's adding to the atmosphere, that's what the game is about anyway. So why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Steve, what do you think? Well, yeah, yeah. Kind of like what I was saying, like, basically, that's sort of the natural state of a D&D game for the most part. Like basic Mm -hmm. RPG 101 is if you hit zero HP, you're dead. And then it happens and they're like, oh, uh, use a hero point, you know, or something like that. Like, you know, there's there's generally ways to fudge your way around death in games and you know a a dm you know can can trickle feed those out so that you know they think that you know they're gonna die and then they've really got another shot at it that's fine i think it's a good way to you know maintain suspense and interest um and you know maybe if you're into a game where permadeath is a thing then that's different but i i I think it's i think it's more frequently done in in rpgs than than video games for that matter so Mm. yeah i can agree with that definitely Definitely. Well, here, let's, as long as we're talking about permadeath in general, let's, let's make an argument for it. Like, okay. So, uh, like what, has anyone ever played a game where the DM's like, okay, once you hit zero, you're dead. And there's, you know, like just, uh, sort of a, an extreme case of keeping the stakes up in RPGs. Um, paranoia is about the only one that I've really kind of 
reinforce that. I mean, in that one, you have five clones. Mm-hmm. So you still have a, you know, there's a option there. Um, but that is a game that really kind of focuses on the fact that uh, you are going to die. So you, when players come into the game, they have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big part of it. It's a good example. And Paranoia is actually a good example of a game where, where they actually treat death with a, with a bit of whimsy. I mean, of like course. how your guy's going to die actually becomes sort of a, <laughs> a, an entertainment point to the players. It's a badge of oh, honor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Seriously. Yeah. Uh-huh. So no, it's like a boy scout badge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah, you died this way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. But yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure permadeath would be a, a big thing in seventh C. Yeah. We got to bring seventh C into this. Um, <laughs> just be, just because, you know, it, it's your hero and, and your hero can only die by a villain's hand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it it would make sense thematically and, and, you know, based on the story that there would be permadeath if that happened. There's no really coming back from that. And the other reason that's a good example is because it's rare. You don't have characters dying often. Um, Yeah. But uh, if it did, it would be a big dramatic issue and it would be, Mm -hmm. you know, it'd be a, a, you know, part of the story. Yeah, it'd be it'd be more impactful than say D and D, where you're just going through dungeons and dungeons and dying every well, third session. You, yeah. you just you died because you had a a couple of bad rolls. You know, it's it's real yeah, dice exactly. roll oriented, which is mm-hmm. not as fulfilling as something that's real really narrative. Yeah, if like, like for instance, seats, right, exactly. If you used, I'm taking you with me for the seventeenth time to jump into a bonfire <laughs> with the villain, <laughs> that would be a fairly dramatic way to go. <laughs> oh, and that's how I plan on going. That's how I plan on going. Yeah, well, that's the square I've got in the Deadpool for you. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> nice, nice. That's good. That's good. Oh, oh man, but yeah, per, per death. We talked about this a couple episodes ago, I think. Yeah, we talked about death. Yeah, just just in general. Um. But yeah, it's 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 it needs to be thematic. It doesn't need to just be a random chance thing, like yeah. most of the time it is. Um, but yeah, that, you know, again, that's why I like narrative storytelling games because when a, a character dies, it is thematic. It is impactful. Well, and I think that's actually right there. The whole random chance thing is where I I, I kind of like have issue with permadeath, like in an RPG. If the players die through no fault of their own, that's cheap and that's lame. Like to me, like I wouldn't want to make any of my players check out that way because yeah. like, you know, if they were doing the right things and they were, you know, like staying with it, you know, narratively and, and performing actions that were appropriate for their character. And then they rolled like three ones in a row and they're dead. That's kind of bullshit. Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to like, I'd give the players an out for that. Um, yeah, if they wanted to die, if they're, or if they were, you know, in some heroic sacrifice type thing, or there's, there's a couple of reasons where maybe they would want to just like, you know, like, Hey, my Tuesdays are booked now. I'm going to check my character out this game. Give me a good, you know, option for that. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Then it makes sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philosophically I got a question for you. How much of okay. this do you think evolved over the, uh, some of the satanic panic scare stuff? You know, because back then the the whole the big fear was that some unhinged player 
their character's going to die and they can't handle death and therefore they're going to run off and do something stupid. Um, did that did that change the perception of character death in role playing games? Do you think? I'm sure it did. I'm definitely sure it did. Um, you know, I don't know. I'd kind of like to say that it didn't. Like, I firmly believe that the only lasting impact that the Satanic Panic had on RPGs was the choice of art style in some of the D&D books. Like, you know, they got rid of the pentagrams, I think is the Mm. only kind of, like, concrete thing that was altered from that. I think it's always been, like, maybe you're dead, maybe you're not. And I I, I think the only time where somebody was overly attached to a character and tried to kill themselves was in that horrible Tom Hanks movie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure it changed that that you know the the uh, creative side of things. Probably just because they they probably got complaints from parents <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, on the player side of things, probably not. Okay, fair. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? Uh, good question. I. I think there's probably there's got to be at least some aware awareness of it from people who know their uh, RPG history, um, and I think you know looking at the, as games have broadened out and changed, it does seem like there are more options for well even D and D, the the options for resurrection have become more common. It seems like yeah, uh, and then you have other games that have been a lot looser with permadeath. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, especially the, the random occurrence of permadeath. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that was done uh, as a reaction to some of that, that history. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure if we were, were uh, versed in our RPG history more, hmm. we, would, we would know that answer. Probably. <laughs> so this is a question for people other than us. We're supposed yeah. to bluff. <laughs> 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 sorry steve <laughs> sorry it's my it's my bad <laughs> I, I just realized i'm the only one who's bluffing okay <laughs> well you rolled a two how can we tell <laughs> yeah yeah that's true oh man but yeah uh let's transition slightly into into our next topic here um, we recently played Ghostbusters. Surprise, surprise. Yes. Um, you all know this already. Well, obviously, you, you guys know this <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> I had the weirdest um, yeah. dream. <laughs> <laughs> weirdest dream, man. Uh, but yeah, and, and we did that for the, uh, the wonderful holiday of Halloween. Um, and Mark brought this up before we started talking, and, uh, you know, are, are there RPGs specifically for certain holidays? Other than Halloween, of yeah. course. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's a million of them for Halloween, but uh, right, and for... I think it's just because it's the easiest. Um, well, Halloween by its nature is role playing. I mean, exactly you're dressing up and running around the street. That's you know, you're LARPing. Come on, be honest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're LARPing for candy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, yeah, actually, yeah. The best reason to LARP when you get right down to it. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, there I I can think of a, a ton of of games for Halloween. But um, but yeah, are there any games for other holidays? You know, nothing like no specific games that are themed around an entire holiday like come to mind for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there's some there's plenty of cool stuff. I think what I like doing is is it is fun to do like a, a holiday themed RPG in whatever you're playing. So like if mm-hmm. you're playing Seventh Sea and you know um, Valentine's Day rolls along, well you know now it's the time to introduce a little Cupid villain. You know that's something like that. You know it's it's uh, it's neat to have very special episodes of whatever that tie into like a holiday that everyone's currently getting prepped for. So, you know, do a life day episode of your star Wars game or something like that. You know, I like, I think that is, you know, awesome and encouraged, but I can't think of many others that are specifically like, is there like an Easter one where (laughs) I I don't, I don't know. Like I'm having a hard time thinking of examples for that. Well, the, uh, you know, if you're going like, uh, veterans day or, or 4th of July or something like that, you could go, uh, with some of the, the military-based options. There's there's several of those, hmm. um, but uh, yeah, those those have fairly specific um, genres, I guess, associated with it. Um, you know, doing doing my research here, you know, I'm really not finding any systems. I'm finding a ton of modules. Yeah, um, yeah, which. Which makes me think there really aren't many specific holiday-themed games. Well, you know what I just Google searched for, and I'm having a hard time finding, is uh, like a, a Christian-themed tabletop RPG. And I really hmm. actually thought I'd have a bunch of hits on this because usually, like you know, they sort of like you've got rock and Christian rock, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and there's 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 Christian-themed video games, and there's sort of like a lot of like Christian-themed alternatives. I figured that somewhere there's got to be like D&D fans that are like, you know, it'd be great if we could kind of integrate Christianity more into our tabletop gaming. So I'm kind of surprised I'm not seeing more options. Like there's table, I, I've seen Christian-themed card games. Like when Magic came out, they made a, a mm. card game called Redemption that was all Bible verses and stuff like that. So I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that I'm not seeing a whole lot of like kind of Christian themed uh, uh, alternatives there for tabletop gaming. Well, I'm sure there's, there's a bunch of homebrew stuff. Oh I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure people, people that wanted this to happen would homebrew something and go, this is what we're going with. Right. But, you know, I don't, I don't think the, the, um, you know, the formal uh, creative community has made anything yet. Um, at least officially. But, uh, you you talk about um, Christian uh, video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a friend of mine last night when we were playing Dread, we'll get into Dread mm-hmm. later, but um, he 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 brought to my attention that they made a uh, a Christian version of Pokemon Go. Oh, <laughs> I heard about this. I thought they were working on it, right? The one with the, the Saints. It's it's out. The other oh, it's out. Saints. It's it's out. It's oh my out. God. It's called Follow JC Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And oh my God. it's uh you you go around and you gain followers in the forms of of saints. Hmm. And to capture that instead of throwing a pokeball at them, uh you have to answer a question about them. Okay. okay. Yeah. So like so, a little yeah. Bible trivia thing. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Bible trivia yes. yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. In in Pokemon Go. So. Huh. Do you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Did they did they write that on top of the same like Google Maps API that 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 um, I'm sure Pokemon Go and and that other one use? Not Ascension. What the heck is it called? Ugh, inverse. Uh, no, something like that. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> matter. 
Okay, I was just curious how they made it. Like, if it was like gonna be like if it was actually using the Maps API or the same stuff that that Go did. I'm I'm sure it does, honestly, because you know you can you from from app developer to app developer. I'm sure they can get their hands on that code. Well, if that's open and so. available, I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't seen an enormous outflood of Pokemon Go knockoffs at this point. So, like, true. That's true. I'm sure. I'm sure they're there. I'm sure they're just hidden. Mm. Uh, but as as we all know. Recently, they released the uh, the Ghostbusters. Uh, True, Ghostbusters World, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, uh, AR, yeah, it's Pokemon the, Go it's thing. The mobile, okay. Yeah, it's the mobile Pokemon Go for um, you know, for for Ghostbusters. Okay, you capture ghosts and stuff like that. It's real fun. So True. I guess then here we are. We we're on the way to like you know a Pokemon Go themed for everything now. I think that might be the case. Yeah, I'm sure we are. I'm sure we are. That or or as soon as Pokemon Go released, people were like, "We got to create one," and they're still making them. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a d- distinct genre. It's, yeah, exactly. As long as we're speculating on genres, you know what would actually be really cool is if you had a Pokemon Go type, uh, like ARG, um, or AR game, I guess. Yeah, not to be confused with the other ARGs that actually tied into <laughs> like real LARPing. So, like, you know, you could set up, like, okay, we're, we're playing in this area, here's what we're bounded by, and mm. it would be sort of a Pokemon Go that's designed for multiple people playing simultaneously in character. Well, in- Ingress was kind of like that. Ingress, thank you, yeah. that's a name I couldn't remember. My god, thank you, Mark. <laughs> yes. Um, that was, you know, you, you belonged to two different teams, and you walked mm-hmm. around uh, closing these weird portals um, mm-hmm. against each other. You know, that... That definitely had a, a role-playing vibe to it. It did. It did, yeah. Yeah, I never I never played. I never played. I might have to hop, hop on there. It was very yeah. much like sort of the proto version of Pokemon Go. I played yes. it for a while yeah. until I realized I was playing it while driving, and sooner or later it's going to get me killed, <laughs> so I stopped playing it. <laughs> yeah. Fair. In yeah, a moment of fair. clarity, yeah. Well, it's a science yeah. that you actually get out and move, and I'm like, how can I avoid doing that? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'll just do it while I drive. Yeah. No big deal, right? There's nothing wrong with this idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let, let's kind of expand this out to um, specific sessions for holidays. Um, well, yeah, Steve, you know, Steve mentioned that there, you know, there are modules out there for, for specific things. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at... Um, 7th C. I know there's a uh, character in Vestan Menyavinyar uh, yep. called uh, uh, was it Sinus Claus or yeah, yeah something like something, that. Yeah, who's basically a C- Santa Claus. Cinder Claus. Cinder Claus. Cinder Claus. Cinder Claus. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, who's basically a Santa Claus figure that uh, you can encounter and uh, deal with. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting when the colonies come out. Uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be opportunities to put some some sort of uh, Thanksgiving scenario together with that. Um, mm, good point. But uh, so yeah, that that's that has some some great options. Um, but uh, yeah, what other? You know, other than homebrewing specific elements into into your sessions. You know, they, they do have, you know, generic holiday modules, definitely. Mm-hmm. But it's it's pretty much somebody just homebrewing something, a specific uh, 
a specific situation for uh for the the season yeah definitely i because i know a critical role they did like a winter's crest festival um mm. every year so they did an episode that was you know halloween themed or or a, a set of episodes for the month i believe hmm. um for for december they would do a you know a christmas themed kind of you know big old festival and and that's that well, I do think that you get more hits for Halloween on these things, like as far as Halloween-themed elements and modules and games, because I feel like Halloween really kind of is is more likely to resonate with RPG gamers in general, like because of the whole cosplay mm-hmm. LARPing elements. Like, I think if you're an RPGer, you're actually pretty comfortable with the concept of tossing on a new costume and becoming a new character, um, which is <laughs> kind of tied up in Halloween. So, Of course. Um, now, there is yeah. a game out on Kickstarter right now, uh, called Nighty Nights, where you play stuffed animals defending your sleeping child. Uh, from isn't that Nights. Alan's? I, I was gonna say I, I thought Alan was in on that because I thought he had mentioned it. Uh, oh yeah, he might, he might yeah. be on the um, production side of things. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it says it's fed by Ben Warner, but uh, I yeah, think Alan right. is involved was... in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, that that is certainly a game that I could I could see having a a Christmas uh, flavor. Very easily, um, yeah. You know, have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing Christmas toys, um, yeah. Maybe coming out of their packages and yeah, sure. stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Sure. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I know. I, I don't think it was a whole episode. I think it was sort of an, a random encounter that I cooked up for a D and D a million years ago. But I remember having a huge rabbit monster, and hmm. he was uh, the original concept started off being the the money python rabbit. Except for nice. I made him big and huge, but <laughs> on t- but then when they killed him, there was like a giant golden egg left over, and they decided they killed the Easter Bunny, and that worked out really nicely. So. Excellent, nice, mm-hmm. excellent. That's that's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I've I've done specific, you know, I've thrown in elements for you know holidays for uh, you know for for RPGs yeah. all the time, you mm-hmm, know, just. Sure. Did we do it for Christmas this last year? I don't. Remember. I don't think we did. No, I don't think we did we that. Did. But um, we might need to this year. Yeah. But yeah, um, talking about a, a specific game in general, um, I yesterday last night had a uh, had a home game here of Dread, which is the uh, the Jenga Tower horror game. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Good deal. I uh, I created a Cthulhu style game, um, and you know in in Cthulhu in the Cthulhu mythos, if you're writing for the Cthulhu mythos, it, it's it's your job to frustrate your players <laughs> <laughs> just because everything's so crazy and frustrating, um. And I succeeded. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Oh man, I I put them through. Um, you know, they they were students and teachers at Miskatonic. Okay. And something happened. Really? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Something happened at Miskatonic in 1885. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was really interesting, and um. Yeah, it's just it's a really fun game to to get you in the mood for something spooky nice. and horror filled. 
Well, what was the uh, what was the skill level of the players you're with? Because Dread always struck me as a game that was, was would probably be pretty cool for for new RPG gamers. Um, they're they're pretty versed. This is my my home seventh C group. Okay, so okay, okay. They they have they have some experience with you know with games. Um, but yeah, none of them had played Dread before, and uh, and yeah, it was really interesting. They they got into it. One of my players was a mute. So he would write things down and hold them up. Oh, that's Ooh. clever. I like that. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm. It was really neat. But yeah, he, um, yeah, everybody seemed to enjoy it. It, it, it was kind of like a uh, Groundhog's Day-esque experience. Mm. Because at one point, um, they started hearing voices so loud that they blacked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they woke up back in the library where they were at 530 when they got there. Oh wow! So like we took everything back to the the when we started, it was it was really interesting. I've uh, always thought you could do a really cool kind of like running Groundhog's Day game. I'm curious to see. Yeah, did they only reset once, or was it like a multiple time thing? They reset once. Okay, okay. I didn't want to keep doing that for the entire night, and then everybody just hate me at the end of the night. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, mark my mark my words. One of these days, I'm going to do that. So. It's going to happen. It'll be a one-off sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I've got, yeah, yeah. Um, other than of course the obvious, you know, Ghostbusters, what are some other, you know, other games for Halloween? Like we talked about, you know, what are games for other holidays? Anything about some Halloween, anything Cthulhu world of world of darkness has a whole line. That's Halloween. Um, Yeah, World and of Darkness. Steve, you have any ideas? World of Darkness has really seemed like a good one to start for Halloween stuff. I mean, honestly, Wraith is basically you're, you you start out dead. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much more Halloween you could hope for in that one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, aside from individual adventures for certain games, do they have like a Nightmare Before Christmas RPG? That would be fun. That could um, be. I'm yeah. sure there's. I'm sure there's a homebrewed. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Um. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm not really like hitting any, you know. I'm, now, now I feel like, wow, there's suddenly an open market for Arbor Day RPGs. I'm gonna go write something, <laughs> but uh, yeah, true. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Dread, Dread's a real good one for anything horror. If yeah. you just want to have a night full of madness and horror, like go for it. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. The reason I did the reason I did Cthulhu is because I've I've wanted to run a cthulhu game for a while um you know this yeah everybody knows this so <laughs> so i was just like hey let's just throw cthulhu into you know into dread and and go so yeah it was it was really cool it was really cool nice um yeah and like i i just had a couple of of uh lamps on and it was nice and dark excellent and I wore my glow in the dark T-shirt. <laughs> it, was nice. it was it was nice and spooky. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Think... Other than Morty batting around a bunch of stuff in the background and distracting my players, it was, it was yeah, that's, that's part of the yeah. fun. Well, dude, play it up. It's like I don't have a cat. I don't know. What are you hearing? You know. <laughs> oh yeah, but but I think part of that is, you know, because Halloween focuses on the monsters and the the antagonists you have yeah. conflict there yeah. whereas you know not many of the other holidays have that kind of uh 
antagonistic adventure element put right into it. Uh, yeah, that's true. You'd really have to kind of bring in some sort of, you have to bring in a Grinch or something to, if you're doing Christmas because, yeah. you know, yeah. otherwise it's pretty, everybody's happy and. Or, right. Or it's giant more of a festivity and Easter bunny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more of a festivity and you've got to be creative to, to make an antagonist for it. Right. Like Steve was, mm-hmm. like Steve <laughs> was with, with his uh, rabid Easter bunny. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, Halloween is. I would I would say it's probably my favorite favorite holiday. Definitely, oh, because of, yeah. because yeah. of the amount of stuff that that revolves around it, and the amount of things you can do, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so naturally, I would enjoy it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mark, have you run any Halloween themed games in the past? Um. Horror is not usually my genre, but uh, yeah, I've, I've pulled out Ghostbusters a few times for uh, to run a Halloween themed uh, um, thing. As a matter of fact, Ghostbusters has a uh, pretty great uh, Halloween module that uh, is, is really one of their best ones. Um, that's pretty great. Uh, you run into to Sam Hain. The... Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, yeah, I think running Star Trek, I, I had him putting up a Christmas tree once or something, you know, kind of yeah. vague, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't really done too much with holidays and role playing games. Hmm. Steve, other than your Easter Bunny example, have you run anything anything else? Not no, nothing dedicated to the ho- to a particular holiday. No, I think I think the the Easter Bunny thing is about as close up as I got to it. Although this does <laughs> sort of like meet a challenge level. I think next time <laughs> next time I I run anything if it's anywhere near an uh, an actual holiday, I'm gonna try to figure out a way to work some kind of a, a holiday themed um, encounter or something out of it. So nice yeah because it because it gives your players something new to experience for yeah. a change you know yeah. it, it 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 gives them you know it, it gets them more into the game because you know it's close to this holiday that is in real life so yeah. you know well and they it... know how to how to respond to that with excitement yeah. or fear or you know whatever yeah well and yeah. As, as a game master it's a great element to kind of force yourself to think in a different way and bring some different elements in and uh, do that yeah yeah agreed 100 percent. maybe let's let's talk about some games that might fuel some um some more creative uh you know stories for the holidays like i've got i've got the hellboy hellboy rpg down here hellboy would fit into halloween like you could have everybody dressed up and he's he's walking down the streets and everybody thinks he's a costume and stuff like that. That would that would be interesting. See, when you say Hellboy, I can just see him in a Santa hat. I don't know why, but I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like he could totally be like a, a vigilante clause or something like that. Like I could see him like like popping in and delivering presents to an orphanage or something <laughs> and then shooting a bunch of demons while he's at it, you know, like, right. True. Exactly. Know. True. Exactly. Well, oh interestingly, God. Ghostbusters, I think, uh, because it's kind of comedic horror can kind of adapt to anything. I mean, the second movie went straight to new year's Eve and, um, yeah. and point. you could easily have a, uh, um, you know, an Easter bunny ghost or, uh, 
Valentine's ghost or, you know, just about anything right. to uh, tie into whatever, whatever holiday you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I think it works best too, when you're in a quote unquote real world, uh, world. Um, yeah, they, they're going to naturally have the holidays that you're associated associating with when you get into something like star Wars, you know, you got to get into variations and, uh, you know, ask yourself, you know, you're in a D and D world. Do they have Christmas or do they have something different? Okay. Um, show of hands. Who actually saw the star Wars Hollywood special? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> do yourself a favor, man. Don't don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not, not even, not even in, the, in a, uh, like it's so bad. It's going to be good. We're totally going to watch it with friends and, and it just like laugh at it. No, no, it sucks the life out of the room. Like it's read research about it. Call it research. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Read a wiki about it's it. Research. Don't actually watch it. You know, <laughs> there are some historically relevant bits there. I think that was the first appearance of Boba Fett, but like, d- just do yourself a favor and don't it's straight True. up. God awful. You can have B Arthur in star Wars. That's, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's something there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they basically had holographic Wookie porn. That was something. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't All have right. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! And and poor Mark Hamill in like like <laughs> like shovel thick makeup because he just got in a car wreck. So that's right. Yeah. Barely recognizable. He looked like an animatronic. It was horrible. Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm I'm sure like superhero games could could lend itself to holidays fairly well Ooh, sure that's true um, um you know uh i i was watching gameplay of the new spider-man okay the, mm-hmm. the new the new spider-man game for for playstation yep um and they have they have a small little scene where it's halloween and and you've got to find uh find somebody who's dressed up like a specific villain um like you're you're looking for like a, a professor or a scientist, hmm. um, and it's like they're in this costume, and then you have to go and you have to you have nice. to <laughs> assault innocent people to try and find <laughs> this person here. Nice. Now, yeah. now I will movie. say there's probably a a, a difference between just having a, um holiday atmosphere kind of overlaid uh, a an adventure versus an adventure that really integrates the holiday. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of thinking of, uh, of, of Batman, uh, Batman returns had occurred around Christmas, but I don't know how, how much Christmas really had to do with the plot. You know what I mean? Which I don't think it did. Yeah. Okay. Although you bring up an excellent point here that might be a little bit, but not really. Um, okay. Is Die Hard can, a Christmas movie? Can okay, we all yeah, agree right. on that? Can we agree on that? <laughs> yeah, okay. I've always said yes from day okay. one. Definitely. Yes. Fair. It's a yes. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Phew. We, I, can, I can continue talking to you folks now. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Meanwhile, back at the point. You were saying? <laughs> 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 I didn't really have anything else to say. Okay. I mean, just you, you can you can port uh, you know superhero games into into uh, into holidays fairly easily because, like you were saying earlier, Mark, uh, you know, having the the kind of real world situation 
um, lends itself to holidays mm-hmm. fairly easily. Sure. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. Yeah, it's a great atmospheric uh, element mm-hmm. to, to put into a game and help your players really kind of connect to when they are and uh, answer some of those questions. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it, it takes you to a, to a new mindset, you know, thinking that, you know, this holiday that you're experiencing in, in the real world is, is in the game as well. Good point. Well, I think, you know, with the exception of Ghostbusters, which does really well on Halloween, like that's kind of the issue with holidays in general, right? Like they only come around once a year. Nobody lives in Valentine's Day. And as such, you wouldn't make an entire RPG themed around Valentine's Day because it only happens once a year. Like most people aren't in that whole mindset all the time. So I think that's why it's accepted. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think that's why it's, you know, probably not uncommon that we don't have, you know, a Thanksgiving RPG or anything, you know. But on the other hand, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas are times you get back together with family, and you know, my family mm-hmm. wouldn't go for this, but there are families out there that that would be a beautiful time to pull together and say, okay, we're going to play the annual Brady Bunch role-playing game or something. Oh my god. Um, right. I wish <laughs> I lived in that world. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, uh, you what, know. What was that, what was <laughs> that, uh, that terrible game that we... we we did a that that episode on um yeah the worst rpgs the old school oh yeah um, yeah the yeah ones and there, there was, was, it uh, was um it wasn't brady all my, what was it all my it children all, all my children all yeah, my yeah yeah children. yeah oh my god yes. yeah yeah <laughs> why are we not <laughs> playing that right <laughs> now <laughs> <sighs> oh man <laughs> everyone oh that's great it's a dump stat <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so that's so that's our Halloween episode this year, guys. All my children. Okay, okay, sounds good. Can anybody find a copy? I can't. Probably not. (laughs) My gosh, I think they were all burned. They were all burned, (laughs) most likely. Oh man. But yeah, you know, it it just you know, holidays seem like such a good time to role play. Um, yeah, it just kind of surprises me sometimes that there's not more specific options. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But but if you think about it, um us us saying uh, in the past that uh the holidays are a terrible time for role playing because everyone's busy. Well, <laughs> it's a little bit counterproductive. That's true. Well, yeah. Your normal groups usually, but uh Yeah. It'd be a good it'd be great opportunity for some one-on-ones with or, or one-offs with uh you know, people you'd only see at holidays. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Like, like, what are some movies or television shows that? Yeah, I'm taking this back to to last week. I don't care. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that that can maybe give us some fuel for for specific holiday uh, <laughs> holiday games. You know, the first one that I thought of would be kind of a a jingle all the way kind of thing, <laughs> where everybody's you know you're you're out. Everybody's trying to Christmas shop for you know whatever the you know teddy ruxpin or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and, exactly uh, you're all playing characters who are, are competing to get <laughs> competing something sort of to f- get that would be kind of cool yeah. i could see that yeah or like a black or like a black friday game absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's just a, it's just a brawl just a brawler game where <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you're all yeah. fighting over the flat screen tv <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you could have uh, some sort of an egg hunt thing going on for a party of anything, I think, you know, like find the 
yeah the the seven mystical eggs to open True. up the i don't know where you're gonna go with that but the doors to to cthulhu i don't know yeah, yeah. there we go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um well any kind of uh revolutionary war role-playing game for fourth of july would be appropriate oh, that'd be kind um, of right yeah i could see that, that uh that would be relatively easy. We could do we could do a world war uh, a civil war reenactment game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, some something that's always uh, been interesting. They do it with video games, uh, but the whole kind of like Friday the Thirteenth kind of you're playing counselors uh, trying to survive from uh, from the big baddie. Yep, would mm-hmm. be interesting for Halloween. Oh, of course, yeah, that would work. You Very know. true. Do they have a Dread, lot of... Dread would work for that. Yeah, Dread would do that. But do they have any other kind of like horror slasher movie type themed RPGs? I'm sure. It seems yeah. like that's got to be a my, thing, That's my answer for everything. Yeah. It's like, is <laughs> this available? There, right? yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems like crazy. I've seen something, though. I, th- I think there was like, like even a summer camp. Yeah. Role playing yeah. game type thing. Some Every like week that. you've got to escape from Jason. Yeah, I could see right. that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting because seeing how people react in those situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh just kind of just kind of like the the dread game, you know, how people react to that. Uh I've always I've always been interested in, you know, it's yeah. it's cool seeing seeing how different people uh, you know, what what they focus on or or what they uh what they try to accomplish. Right, it's right. Really, it's really interesting. <clears throat> but yeah, Halloween Halloween's a great time for role playing. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's... It's by far the easiest and most yeah. obvious. Um, yeah, and that's and that's why you see so much around Halloween, you know, mm-hmm. themed for for RPGs, definitely. Sure. sure. Um, so that should be a thing now. Like we should start giving out like when the when the trick or treaters come to your door, just give them like a a, a quick start guide for your favorite RPG instead of candy. <laughs> I'm sure you won't get your your tree TP'd with that. <laughs> not at all not at all <laughs> you just give do i just give pdfs of lady blackbird out there you go <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah yeah they're uh-huh. like they're like four pages <laughs> terrible rpg one page here you go kid oh yeah. hey yeah there you go yep. there you go <laughs> it's <laughs> like oh you're tearing it up so you got the right idea cool <laughs> 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 yeah, but now not that paper. You don't tear. You don't tear that one up. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know what? Learning curve. Just roll with it. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh! I have confetti now. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Exactly. You know, of course, something like Stranger Things. You know, can can sure. lend itself to to Halloween. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, you could do a kids on bikes. Yeah. Uh, Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of big. Satanic, Satanic Panic. Did we do Satanic oh. Panic for Halloween last year? I think we did. Is that what have. we did for Halloween? We might have, yeah. I think so. I that think actually right. would be a really good one for it since, you know, it. Yeah, it ties in nicely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we've droned on long enough. I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. about, this week we had a lack of a lack of topics. There's only but, so but much there. we can kick this horse. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should have just brought back old bad movies, but you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. <laughs> we replay last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> See if anyone notices. Uh, although along those lines, if if for some reason you've missed the Ghostbusters game, you need to go back and, and listen to that. That's like an amazing. That was a really really great session. Oh good. Mm-hmm. I love that. Game. Yeah yeah one one comes out on the twenty eighth. The twenty eighth and one one came out on uh, on on Halloween so. 
So that's uh, you got two. You got a two parter there. So mm-hmm. nice. yeah, if you haven't if you haven't listened, go ahead and and take a very festive listen to that. <laughs> but yeah, do yourself. But definitely, since since we don't have anything else, I think we'll we'll wrap it up for uh, for the week. And thank you, gentlemen, for joining me this week. Thank you. It has been a pleasure, thank like you. always, even though we didn't have anything to talk about. But Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on soundcloud.com slash tabletopradiohour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. You can join us over on facebook.com slash tabletopradiohour for regular updates. We also have an email address that is tabletopradiohour at gmail.com. Our website, tabletopradiohour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.